0: Today's message is from our lead pastor, Pastor Jared Brooks. Please take a moment and prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Amen. I'm out of breath. I was, I was watching Tishan while he was singing, and I was jumping, and I remembered why I don't jump a lot, <laughs> or I remember why I should jump more. I don't know. It was one or the other, but in the middle of the song, I was like, I can't even sing the last line of the song. Because my chest is caving in, and all I was doing was standing right there, barely hopping. <laughs> Y'all pray for me. Listen, hey, we're in part three of a mini-series we've been in. We're going to kind of close out the series today, and it's been about to praise or not to praise. That's kind of our the question. What does praise look like? What does the Bible tell us? What does the Bible say actually about praise? Praise. When do we praise? How do we praise? What should our praise look like? And so to do that, we have to understand a few things. First of all, Psalms chapter 102 says this, this will be written, it's talking about its future tense, will be written for the generation to come that a people yet to be created may praise the Lord. So, Somewhere down the line, this is written for a generation that's not here yet, a generation that's going to come that are created to praise the Lord, that are created to worship the Lord. Amen? I'm a part of that generation. You're a part of that generation. Do you have a cricket soundtrack that every time I point at you, you just do the cricket sounds? Listen, Second Corinthians chapter number 5 says this, Therefore... If anyone is in Christ, is anyone in here in Christ this morning? Yeah. Hey, one more time, is anyone in here in Christ this morning? Yeah. Amen. Even if you're not a shouter, you should have at least grunted, like, ah, or something. Listen, it says, if anyone is in Christ, he is what? A new creation, or one verse that says, a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Part of the old things that passed away is there was a time when the presence of God resided in an ark. Right? It resided in an ark, and they would carry this ark, and, it, and people would go into this into the holy of holies, into where the presence of God resided. Even though he was a mobile God, even though that was never his intentions, he appeased the people at this point in in that lifetime. But listen, when Jesus came, Jesus established and inaugurated something brand new. And when he inaugurated this thing that was brand new, we call it the new covenant, then we became the dwelling place for the presence of God. Isn't that some good news? So, this afternoon, when you leave and when I leave, I'm gonna lock the building, we're gonna set the alarm, and you know where the presence of God's gonna be? Not here. Yes, everywhere you go, everywhere. This is just a building. Now, we thank God for this building because it enables us to come together as a body and worship and celebrate and thank God for things. But this is not the dwelling. You are the dwelling place of God. You are the habitation of God. You are now a new creature. You are a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. He goes on, and, and Peter, he says this, in First Peter chapter two, he says, "But you, everybody say you, Everybody say me, we are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. What that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light." Wow. Wow, he chose you, he picked you, he put his banner on you and over you and in you so that you may come out of the dark place that that people once lived in. And because of his resurrection power, you now can proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. So if you don't know, I'm here to tell you that you were created to worship God. We were created to praise God. Listen, we used to, when I was growing up, y'all remember this? Uh, did y'all used to call it song service? Yeah, you call it song service? We're going to have song service. <laughs> oh, man, I hate to even say this. But they used to say, does anybody have a request? They'd just open it up. Did y'all ever do that? They'd say, anybody have a request? Well, as a little kid, I would immediately say, 255. Anybody remember 255? I'll fly away. I'll fly away. It was page two fifty-five. And so I'd be coloring in my coloring book and they'd say, anybody got a request? 255. Cause I knew it. I loved it. And it was song service. And as a kid, I just thought it was what we do until everybody gets to church. <laughs> it was a 30 minute buffer for everybody to get to church, because most people can't, man, no. <laughs> this was back in the, when I was a kid, I mean, we have a problem today, but back in the days, people struggled getting to church on time, but today, it's totally different, we have Apple watches, so <laughs> what, what I'm saying is that we were created to worship, what we do at the beginning of our service is not a buffer, it's actually the primer. It is what gets us going. It's what ignites the fire inside. I mean, it's the choke that gets the motor started. Okay? It's 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 life. It's our life source because we were created. We were actually created to worship God. In First Thessalonians uh, five, it says, in everything, somebody say everything. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. He doesn't say for everything. Pastor Kevin said this last week. If you stump your toe, you don't go, oh, thank God, that was awesome. That hurt so bad. He didn't say uh, for everything. He says in everything. So no matter what you're going through, and how many of you have been going through some junk at times? Maybe lately you've been going through some stuff. He says, in everything, give thanks. This is why you were created. Just give thanks in everything. So now the question is, what should our praise actually look like? And we're going to review quickly. And this is not going to take a long time this morning. uh, But we're going to review what praise, what our praise should look like. How do I manifest My calling and my purpose on this earth, which was I was created to worship. I was built with this this passion and this drive to worship my Lord and Savior. So what should that look like? And it's pretty clear. The, The scriptures tell us in many, many ways how we should worship, what our praise should look like. So we've been studying the seven Hebrew words for praise. I said this last week that when you say I love you uh we say it loosely but that word love there's actually a lot of different meanings for that one word love we just say it like like I look at my dog my husky in the back and I'm like oh I love you well and I look at my wife and I say oh I love you it, it, I'm talking about two different things here uh that cheeseburger that what burger I go ah, I love you And then when I look at my kid, ah, I'm talking two different loves, okay? So just the same way we kind of use love as a blanket statement, uh, you know, probably a lot of times not accurately at all. But we just say love for everything. Uh, Praise kind of got translated in our Bible a lot of the same way. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying when we see praise, we just have this generic praise But the writers had a really divine purpose for what they were saying and what the praise actually looks like. So we're going to look at that this morning. So we're going to review the first five, if that's okay, and then we'll hit the last two. And I promise uh, I will tell you, like Elizabeth Taylor told her fourth husband, I won't keep you long. Okay. No sound effects. That's okay. I need one day I'm gonna have my own sound effects machine right here. It's gonna have like, and it's gonna have crickets, and, and it's gonna have a, a roar of a crowd. You know, when I, when I say something that I think is good, I'm going to be like, oh, yeah, yeah. so, cue crowd. Oh, never mind. Listen, the first Hebrew word for praise that we studied uh, at the very beginning anybody remember what it was? Halal. And it comes, it sounds like a word that we use in church that is hallelujah. And that's why when we say halal, it means overwhelming excitement, to rave, to be clamorously foolish. So when you hear someone in church go, hallelujah, that's actually how it's been intended to be spoken. Because it's to be with overwhelming excitement. And clamor means intense. It means loud, loudly. Okay? So when we say halal, hallelujah, that's, that's intended. That's what some of the writers intended to be worship. It's 160 times in the Old Testament the word halal is translated to praise. So a lot of times when we are to praise, we are to have overwhelming excitement. For example, Psalms 113 verse 1. It says, praise or halal the Lord Praise, O servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. From the rising of the sun to its going down, the name of the Lord shall be hallowed or praised. It, it shall be shouted with overwhelming excitement. We should act clamorously foolish because of the name of the Lord. From the rising of the sun to the going down all day long. We should have excitement when we mention the name of the Lord. Amen? So the second Hebrew word for praise that we talked about was yadah. Everybody say yadah. Yadah. And yadah means to extend the hand or to throw out a hand. If you remember the first week we did this series, uh, a few weeks ago we played the video. Uh, Tim Hawkins, he did the hands, you know, because we're, we're a hand-raising church. Amen. Now, we didn't decide one day do we want to be a hand-raising church or a non-hand-raising church. We decided one day we wanted to be a biblical church. And being a biblical church, part of what we found is it is biblical to have this passion and love for Jesus that at some, some points all you can do is throw up your hands. Okay, now, we don't have a whole lot to celebrate with the Astros right now. I hate to even bring it up. But at the time we started this series, there were several walk-off home runs. And when you watched the crowd of people, they just stood to their feet and their hands went in the air. They were celebrating greatness, the greatness of something. And when you see this word in, in our scriptures, that's what it represents, that we throw our hands up, throw our hands out, and we celebrate the greatness of something. Okay. This is something that we, as, as an exchange church, we believe and we are. Yadah is found 114 times in the Old Testament. For example, Psalms 111 verse 1. I will, Yadah, I will extend or throw up the hands to the Lord with my whole heart in the assembly of the upright and in the congregation. Uh, Psalms 28:7 says, The Lord is my strength. The Lord is my shield. My heart trusts in him, and I am helped. Therefore, my heart greatly rejoices with my song, and I will yada him. I will lift up my hands, and I will praise him. Amen? Somebody say yada. Okay, the third word, barak. Everybody say barak. Barak, it means to kneel or to bow, to kneel in adoration, or to bow. I gave an example uh, a few weeks ago of one of our guys that, that led worship with me in Wichita Falls. He would oftentimes, during worship sets, we would look over there, and he would play his guitar from his knees with his hands raised because that's all that he knew to do. He just became so overwhelmed with the goodness and the greatness of God, that often He just knelt down and he bowed down before the Lord. So when we kneel before the Lord, it's an expression of our devotion to our Heavenly Father. This word, Barak, is mentioned 330 times in the in the new in the Old Testament. It's not always, I will end throughout some of the scriptures, but it's not always translated praise, but a lot of times it is. But you see it used with Abraham and Ezekiel and Daniel and Moses and others that were recorded as bowing down or laying prostrate as they worshipped the Lord. So when you come into the exchange, if you ever see anybody kneeling down or bowing down or you see somebody on an instrument kneeling before the Lord, that's not weird. That's not crazy. That's a part of our worship that we kneel, that we bow, that we honor the greatness of who he is. Do you believe he's great? And sometimes don't you think that the only way that we can honor is by bowing down and saying, God, you're so worthy. You are so worthy of my praise. Let me give you some examples. Psalms 100 verse 4 it says, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and Bow down in adoration to his name. Barak, his name. Bow down to his name. Psalms 95, verse 6, it says, O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us barak, let us kneel down in adoration before the Lord, our maker. Listen, there are times when we come into this this building to worship with one another, there are times that we need to shout a hallelujah because of what God. We need to raise that hallelujah. There are times that we need to throw up our hands and go, God, thank you. God, I honor you. I adore you. There are times that we need to bow down. Amen. The fourth word, the fourth word, it's one of, the, one of our favorites as, as musicians, as people who play instruments. It's zamar. Everybody say zamar. Zamar praise and Zamar praise is to touch or to strike the strings under the inspiration of the Spirit of God. So it's biblical to actually jam and get funky in the house of God, amen. That wasn't a real big amen. I thought some of y'all dancers would be more into that one, but listen, it's okay to strike and to play. The instruments before the Lord. Music is a powerful tool. Music really paves a way. It paves a way. It prepares our hearts to receive something incredible. Amen. And, and what it does. And David saw this. When, when David goes in with, with King Saul. And, and scripture tells us that King Saul was tormented with these spirits. And David would go in. And King Saul would be so angry and so frustrated and so uh, vengeful. David would begin to play his harp, and he would begin to sing. And all of a sudden, this calming peace. Was it coincidence? Was David just really good? No. It was praise. It was Zamar praise. There was something powerful when when David began to strike and play the instruments to the Lord under the inspiration of, of the Lord. So when we play here in this church, when we sing and, and the band strikes up, there is something powerful. So when you, in your seat at times, you throw up your hand or when you bow down or when you shout a hallelujah, it's the same as when Titian strums his instrument. There is a praise, there is a powerful praise that is released honoring our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. I'm going to give you a couple examples of that. Psalms uh, 144, it says, Blessed be the Lord, my rock, who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle. I will sing a new song to you, O God, on a harp of ten strings. I will sing praises or I will, zamar, I will strike my instrument under the influence, under the anointing of God to you. Psalms 149 verse 3, it says, let them halal, let them be overwhelmingly excited in his name with dance. Let them sing zamar praises, zamar to him. Let them strike the timbrel on the harp. It is biblical for us to walk into this place and for our band to lead us in a time of worship. And, and their gift and their talent is to strike the instruments. And as they do that, they are releasing a very powerful praise into the atmosphere. Have you ever walked into the church and, and you walk in and you've got a headache or your back's hurting or something's going on. And you walk in and they say, let's all stand and worship. And you're like, oh, I just I don't feel like it this morning. And you stand there and the band starts to play. And then in just a few minutes, you're singing, and by the end of worship, you're like, man, my headache's completely gone. Anybody ever done that? Come on, that happens all the time. That's not coincidence. There is a praise that is being released, and it is going out. And whatever you carried into this place, it is untying and sending it right back out the door. There is power in our Zamar worship. Our next one, number five. And we had Miss Kenyatta come up here last week, and she she was so nice to y'all because she was really calm and nice. But I'm telling you, she released something powerful when she showed us why her Shabbat, her praise. Somebody say Shabbat. Okay, that's the fifth word for praise, the fifth Hebrew word. Shabbat praise is to shout to the Lord with a voice of triumph to address with a loud tone. She made a statement. She went with the women a few weeks ago on a retreat, and she made a statement to them, and she basically said this last week, but she said, she gave her testimony. I'm going to recap a little bit, but she basically was beaten and raped and stabbed and cut and left to bleed to death. It caused her to spiral into drinking. She did time, and everything in her life fell apart but God, but the grace and the mercy of God, and and she made this statement. She said, that's why when some people look at me funny, when I shout, they don't know the reason, the purpose behind my shout. Shabbat prays. See, we we oftentimes, we we misinterpret this, and we get it kind of backwards. But listen, Shabbat, it says in Psalm 63, verse 3, it says, Because your loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall shabbat you. They will shout to God with a voice of triumph. Oftentimes, shabbat is it, it means this, to shout to the Lord with a voice of triumph. But a lot of times, it's, it's mistaken with victory. Now, those are actually two different things here. Because victory is something that is won on the battlefield. Or in our case as believers, it was won on the cross. When Jesus went to the cross, death, hell, and the grave were defeated. So victory was won there. And triumph is the parade that comes after the victory. And so when we shout to the Lord with a voice of triumph, we're shouting because of the victory that he has already won on your behalf. A victory that he's already won that you didn't even have to fight in. You didn't do squat. Amen? You, you didn't do anything. He won the victory. He paid a price. And because of that, we can shabak his name. Having wiped out, this is Colossians chapter 2. Having wiped out the handwritten requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us. He has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. So it's done. This is what he's saying. It is done. It's finished. Everybody say it is finished having disarmed principalities. So that tells us right there that the adversary, the things that we feel come against us, have what? Nothing. So he's disarmed principalities and powers, and he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them. Psalms 47.1 says, Oh, clap your hands, all ye people, and shabak to God. With a voice of triumph. Isaiah 12:6 says, Cry out and Shabbok, Shabbok, O oh, inhabitants of Zion. Great is the Holy One of Israel in your midst. I said this last week, but it's not about how loud your shout is. But can you help me out? It's about the power behind the shout. The power, the victory, the triumph in your shout amen because we see in Zechariah 4 6 that it is not by might nor is it by power but it is by his spirit says the Lord amen come on somebody (laughs) Shabbat. Woo! now to my message that was my intro The next Hebrew word for praise, and this is only going to take a few minutes. We have two left. The next word uh, for praise is tahila. Everybody say tahila. I wanted so bad to go tahila. <laughs> but I thought y'all would be think that's inappropriate. So I didn't. I didn't. I didn't do it. So now get that out of your head. <laughs> tahila. <laughs> okay, so stop. But that is praise, Tahila. Listen, to sing a new song from the heart—that's Tahila praise. So when we're reading, especially in the in the book of Psalms, and you see praise and praise and praise and praise and praise, they don't all mean praise like we say it in English. They mean different things. They they mean to shout to the Lord. They mean to throw up your hands. They mean to halal to act clamorously foolish before the Lord. They mean to kneel and adorate, all different things. And this word, Tehila, means to sing a new song from the heart. Listen, a new song oftentimes is born from adversity. Have you ever noticed that? that it's sometimes when you're going through the biggest and toughest fights of your life is when a new song is birthed in your heart it's it's times when when our minds have gotten control over us we just did a series of how to not let different things be the boss of us and be our boss, like how to not let anger control us and how not let her bitterness control us and, and rage and, and all these different things. Listen, at times we lose those battles, right? We get inside of our own head and all of a sudden we have lost the battle and we are now victims. We are now um, products of anger. We are now products of bitterness. We are now products of envy. And we let those things get inside of us, and it begins to defeat us and eat away. Well, this is talking about when there's times in your life that you have become a victim or a product of those bad behaviors that have taken control of your life. Sometimes that is the greatest opportunity for a new song to be birthed out of you. Because sometimes it's only a song that can tell the story. David understood the power of a new song because David says this when God delivered him out of the pit in Psalms 40, verse 2, he says, He also brought me, and David's writing this. Listen, he says, He also brought me out of a horrible pit. Out of the miry clay. I couldn't walk. I couldn't move. I was stuck. I was frozen inside of myself. And he took me out of this miry clay. Where I could not move. And he put my feet. On solid ground, he put my feet on a rock. And he not only that, but he established my steps. And when he established my steps, he put a new song in my heart that came out of my mouth. And let me tell you, it was Tehillah praise because I used to be there, but now I'm here. And now that I'm here, there's a song that is bursting out because I remember what it was like to be there. Come on, some of you, when you walk out of this place, there are people that you come in contact with every day that need to hear your Tahila praise. The new song that God's put in your heart that was birthed when God pulled you out of something you were stuck in. When, when he pulled you out of yourself, when your mind had become the boss of you and, and had taken control the world doesn't understand it, but when God delivers you, he places a new song in your heart, a new song that is going to praise God. See, oftentimes, this is just my opinion, this isn't scriptures, oftentimes we get out of the miry clay and we think, whew, I got out of the miry clay. And we don't think, thank you for bringing me out of the miry We go, I'm so glad I'm not there. And all of a sudden, it's all about me. I'm so glad I'm not, I'm so glad I was able to climb out of that. No, you did not. He pulled you out. He is the author and the perfecter of your every good and perfect gift comes From God above. And so when you get out of a situation, whether you think you had anything to do with it or not, which you didn't, you have to sing a new song to the Lord and give praise back to him who's called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Somebody say amen. Amen. Has God delivered you from some stuff? Come on. God delivered you from some junk. Listen, when he delivers you, the grass is greener. Everything smells better. The air is thinner. It's, it's perfect. You don't feel bound up and caught up and lost and, and stuck when God pulls you out of the pit and sets your feet on a rock. Another example of God birthing a new song in your life is when everything seems to be falling apart. In Isaiah 61, he, he gives an example of that when he talks about the spirit of heaviness. And the Hebrew word for heaviness here is kahia. And that means weak, dark, or despondent. Okay? So in Isaiah 61, verse 3, it says, To console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of tehillah. Okay? the garment of a new song. There's, He's birthing a new song in their hearts for the spirit of Caheia. That they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. There's purpose in your praise. And you got to remember that. We don't praise just for the fun of it. There is purpose in your praise. Peter said it earlier at the beginning of this message. He says that you may proclaim. What does that mean to proclaim? It it means that there's somebody else that needs to hear what you got to say. That you may proclaim the praises of him. The only way to combat the spirit of heaviness is to choose to put on the garment of Tehillah, okay? To begin to sing a new song up from out of your spirit. Let me give you some examples of Tehillah. Uh, Psalms chapter number 22, it says, But you are holy, enthroned in the Tehillah, the new songs of Israel. Second Chronicles chapter 20 Now, when they begin to sing and to Tehillah, the Lord set ambushes against the people of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah, and they were absolutely defeated. Listen, some of the things that we fight in our mind that we begin to let take control when we release a Tehillah praise, what happens is the enemy begins to be defeated. It's just like we talked about with, with David and King Saul. The enemy, those thoughts, those negative thoughts, those negative images, those doubts and fears and all that heaviness that we carry around, it cannot dwell in the same place that Tehillah praise dwells. Does that make sense? When you release that Tehillah praise, Psalms 34 verse 1 says, I will bless the Lord at all times. Whew, man, I will bless the Lord at all times. His Tahila shall be what? Continually on my mouth, on my lips, in my mouth. Tahila praise. See, a lot of times you find out that the difficulties that we go through, the difficult times that we go through are the reason that we have a hard time releasing Tahila praise. But if we would learn to release Tahila praise often and on a daily basis, we would find out that a lot of those hard times that we've been facing, we wouldn't be facing. Maybe you're facing some hard times because your Tahila praise is broken. Maybe some of the things that you're going through, you're going through because your Tahila is broke right? Think about it. Think about it. If, if when we release it, then we don't have to deal, then that those spirits, those things, those evil thoughts, those fears and doubts, if, if when we release it, they disappear. And if you're still dealing with those things, then that means you haven't released it. And that's why they haven't disappeared. If we would learn to release it, they would disappear. So maybe we need to go to a, a Tahila mechanic and get our Tahila praise Fixed. Amen. You don't have to shout with me right there. That's okay. I, I work. I've been working on my Tehila praise. Listen, and when you release that, it's something powerful. When you raise a hallelujah, we just sang it. In the presence of my, what? Enemies. All my fears, all my doubts, all my frustrations, all my angers, all my attitude, all my debt, all my questions. When I raise it in the presence of my enemy, I raise a hallelujah. How loud? Louder than my unbelief. I raise a hallelujah. Why? Because my melody, Whoo! my weapon is my melody. I raise a hallelujah. Why? Because heaven comes and it fights for me. That's why we raise a hallelujah. That's tehillah, praise. I'm telling you, God inhabits the tehillah of his people. The last Hebrew word for praise, number seven, Torah. It comes from the same root word as yada. Everybody say Torah. Toda or Yada and Todah praise. Okay, Todah is this. It comes from the same word Yada, which Yada is to extend or to throw out the hands. Todah is this. It conveys the confessions of our lips and thanksgiving to God with the extensions of the hands with the palms up. Everybody do that for a second. Everybody just stick your hands out with your palms up. See, what this is, this word for praise, this Hebrew word for praise says that this is an act. When you do this, what you're doing is you are giving thanks back to God. You can put your hands down or you can keep them up all day. I don't care. But listen, so, so when we do these things, they mean something. When you do this, God, I raise a Hallelujah. In the presence of my enemies, I raise a hallelujah. I raise it louder than my unbelief. I raise a hallelujah. My weapon is my melody. I raise a hallelujah because heaven comes and fights for me. And I'm doing this because I'm saying thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that I have a halal in my spirit. And I can Shabbat with a voice of triumph. And I can Tota or I can Yada or I can do, I can Barak. Whatever is in my spirit, I can do because I praise you because you are worthy. Isn't he worthy of our praise? That's why we praise. This isn't to waste time till you get here. In fact, when you get here, you miss all the chain-breaking going on. I keep saying things that aren't in my notes and making people mad, and I apologize for that. Listen, it says this in Psalms chapter 100. says, Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing Verse 4 says this: enter into his gates with TOTA, okay? Palms up, thanksgiving, thanksgiving, and into his courts with halal, with overwhelming excitement, acting clamorously foolish. That's what it means. I'm just telling you what it means. Be thankful to him and bless his name for the Lord is good and his mercies are everlasting and his truth endures. How long? For all generations. Man, that is powerful. Sometimes I wonder why we come into church and we can look like we just sucked down a sour lemon. You know, when we think about the chain breaker. When we come in and we begin to release a praise to God, when we understand what it is to be thankful, listen, it's important to train our thinking and to say, I don't care what's going on in my life right now. I'm going to thank God. I'm going to praise God, and I'm going to lift my hands to him. That is called faith. That's what faith looks like. The total praise, hands lifted and palms up. I praise you, even though I don't see you working in my life. What is that song that we sing? Waymaker, even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. You never stop. You never stop working. Even when. I don't see it. You're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. Listen, I'm prophesying over somebody this morning. Somebody needs this word. Close your eyes right now. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. Come on, you never stop. Somebody needs to put your palms to the sky. You never stop. You never stop working. You never stop. You never stop working. Why? Because you are a way maker. You make a way, God, when there seems to be absolutely no way. And when all my hope is gone, you set, you take me out of the miry clay, and you set my feet on the rock, and you established my steps before me. And because of that, I will toda praise you. You never stop. You never stop working. Man, will you join me this morning? Listen. We have to understand what that total praise looks for, looks like. Abraham, he learned to give glory to God even when it th- when he thought it wasn't going to happen. He had been given a promise, for, and he believed for 25 years. After 10 years, it hadn't happened, and he decided he's going to take matters into his own hands. And out of that, he produced a child. His name's Ishmael, from the Arab nations that, from that name, the Arab nations arose. And they're still to this day a thorn in Israel's side. But God promised him something and Abraham had to restore his faith in the Lord. It says this in Romans chapter four, Abraham, who contrary to hope and hoped, he believed so that he became a father of many nations according to what was spoken. So shall your descendants be. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about a hundred years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but he was strengthened in faith, given glory to God. See, God le- Abraham learned to give glory to God even when it didn't look like it was going to happen. Contrary to hope, in hope, he believed. Even though it didn't seem like there was any possible way, contrary to hope, in hope, he believed. He was confident. Total praise is a cheerful, confident expectancy that God's going to do what God said he was going to do.